This is John W. Whitehead, author of Battlefield America, The War on the American People, bringing you a message about the state of our nation. The Constitution of the United States represents the classic solution to one of humankind's greatest political problems. That is, how does a small group of states combine into a strong union without the states losing their individual powers and surrendering their control over local affairs? Although the Constitution was adopted on September 17, 1787, a Bill of Rights was demanded and became an eventuality in order to protect the citizenry's fundamental rights or first liberties against usurpation by the newly created federal government. Unfortunately, although the Bill of Rights, the first ten amendments to our Constitution, was adopted as a means of protecting the people against government tyranny, in America today, the government does whatever it wants. Freedom be damned. Here's what it means to live under the Constitution, post 9-11, and in the midst of a COVID-19 pandemic. The First Amendment is supposed to protect the freedom to speak your mind, assemble, and protest nonviolently without being bridled by the government. It also protects the freedom of the media as well as the right to worship and pray without interference. In other words, Americans should not be silenced by the government. To the founders, all of America was a free speech zone. Despite the clear protections found in the First Amendment, the freedoms described therein are under constant assault. The Second Amendment was intended to guarantee the right of the people to keep and bear arms. Essentially, this amendment was intended to give the citizenry the means to resist tyrannical government. Yet while gun ownership has been recognized by the U.S. Supreme Court as an individual citizen right, Americans remain powerless to defend themselves against SWAT team raids and government agents armed to the teeth with military weapons better suited to the battlefield. The Third Amendment reinforces the principle that civilian elected officials are superior to the military by prohibiting the military from entering any citizen's home without the consent of the owner. With the police increasingly training like the military, acting like the military, and posing as military forces, complete with heavily armed SWAT teams, military weapons, assault vehicles, and so on, it's clear that we now have what the founders feared most, a standing army on American soil. The Fourth Amendment prohibits government agents from conducting surveillance on you or touching you or invading you unless they have some evidence that you're up to something criminal. In other words, the Fourth Amendment ensures privacy and bodily integrity. Unfortunately, the Fourth Amendment has suffered the greatest damage in recent years and has been all but eviscerated by an unwarranted expansion of police powers that includes strip searches and even anal and vaginal searches of citizens, surveillance, corporate and otherwise, and intrusions justified in the name of fighting terrorism as well as the outsourcing of otherwise illegal activities to private contractors. The Fifth Amendment and the Sixth Amendment work in tandem. These amendments supposedly ensure that you are innocent until proven guilty. And government authorities cannot deprive you of your life, your liberty, or your property with the, without the right to an attorney 
in a fair trial before a civilian judge. However, in the new suspect society in which we live, where surveillance is the norm, these fundamental principles have been upended. Certainly, if the government can arbitrarily freeze, seize, or lay claim to your property, money, land, or possessions under government asset forfeiture schemes, you have no true rights. The Seventh Amendment guarantees citizens the right to a jury trial, yet when the populace has no idea what's in the Constitution, civic education has virtually disappeared from most school curriculums, that inevitably translates to an ignorant jury incapable of distinguishing justice and the law from their own preconceived notions and fears. The Eighth Amendment is similar to the Sixth in that it is supposed to protect the rights of the accused and forbid the use of cruel and unusual punishment. However, the Supreme Court's determination that what constitutes cruel and unusual should be dependent on the evolving standards of decency that mark the progress of a maturing society leaves us with little protection in the face of a society lacking in morals altogether. The Ninth Amendment provides that other rights not enumerated in the Constitution are nonetheless retained by the people. Popular sovereignty, the belief that the power to govern flows upward from the people rather than downward from the rulers, is clearly evident in this amendment. However, it has since been turned on its head by a centralized federal government that sees itself as supreme and which continues to pass more and more laws that restrict our freedoms under the pretext that it has an important government interest in doing so. As for the Tenth Amendment's reminder that the people and the states retain every authority that is not otherwise mentioned in the Constitution, that assurance of a system of government in which power is divided among local, state, and national entities has long since been rendered moot by the centralized Washington, D.C. power elite, that is, the President, Congress, and the courts. If there is any sense to be made from this recitation of freedom's loss, it's simply this. Our individual freedoms have been eviscerated so that the government's powers could be expanded. Yet those who gave us the Constitution and the Bill of Rights believe that the government exists at the behest of its citizens. It is there to protect, defend, and even enhance our freedoms, not violate them. It was not idle happenstance that the Constitution opens with these three powerful words, we the people, in other words. We have the power to make and break the government. We are the masters. They are our servants. We the people, the citizenry, are the arbiters and ultimate guardians of America's welfare, defense, liberty, laws, and prosperity. Still, it's hard to be a good citizen if you don't know anything about your rights or how the government is supposed to operate. Here's an idea, though, to get you educated and to take a stand for freedom. Anyone who signs up to become a member of the Rutherford Institute gets a wallet-sized Bill of Rights card and a Know Your Rights card. Use this card to teach your children the freedoms found in the Bill of Rights. As I make clear in my book, Battlefield America, The War on the American People, and in its fictional counterpart, the Eric Blair Diaries, our national priorities need to be reprioritized. For instance, some argue that we need to make America great again. Well, I, for one, would prefer to make America free again. The Rutherford Institute is doing its part to push back against the police state and make the government play by the rules of the Constitution. But we can't fight these battles alone. 
To join the resistance, visit our website at www.rutherford.org and check out our library of thought-provoking commentaries, legal resources, and so much more. Subscribe to our email alerts and I will send you my weekly commentary, Rutherford press alerts, and a weekly rundown of pertinent headlines and news articles to keep you apprised of the growing threats to our freedoms. And finally, if you are able, please consider making a tax-deductible donation to the Rutherford Institute by again visiting us online at www.rutherford.org or donate using PayPal. Your donation allows the Rutherford Institute to push back against the government's power grabs, corruption, and ongoing assaults on the Constitution. Together, we can make America free again.